We should be live now. Yes, we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Average Intelligence Podcast. I am your co-host, your compadre, your champion, Jay. It's another solo run for me tonight, as in the bar was solo. They just let me do it. Now, it's actually Eric's anniversary tonight, and, you know, priorities. Anyway, we're going to have a real fun time tonight. We're going to sit down. We're just going to have a little chat. We're going to chat about a couple things. But first, some announcements. For those of you who don't know, I debuted my second podcast, along with Ben the Referee, uh, Down the Middle. Debuted our first episode last Saturday. It is available to view on my channel, youtube.com slash media. That's A-R-E-T-E media. Or you can simply search down the middle podcast and it should pop up. It's not too fancy yet. We're still waiting on our logo. We want it to be just right. So right now the thumbnail is just us on Zoom. But I digress. It will be better. Um, some other announcements. Um, big announcement, actually, for next week. You guys will not want to miss this. Eric and I just hours ago secured two very special guest hosts. So, unfortunately, you will not see us next week. We're going to take the week off. But trust me, it's going to be. It, you're not going to want to miss this. And we're going to keep it a surprise. No spoilers. Tune in next week. You will not regret it. It's going to be a great show. Let me think what else we got. Um, oh, well, for those of you that follow me on Instagram, you know that I have injured my knee. Don't know exactly what happened yet. I had a bit of a Krav Maga mishap. Um, wish I could say it was cooler than it actually was, but I stepped wrong, which is how it seems like all my injuries happen that way. It's never anything cool. Although I guess my second knee injury ever was kind of cool. I kicked somebody and they blocked it in the exact perfect way to dislocate my kneecap. But other than that, it was pretty lame. Usually falling or stepping wrong. I literally, and I'm not making this up, I literally once rolled my ankle just walking down a sidewalk. Completely rolled it. Was in pain for like two weeks. Thankfully, I didn't break anything then, but I was just like, come on, really? It, I didn't even jump or do anything fun. I was literally just walking and rolled the ankle. So anyway, had an MRI today. Um, hopefully, I get good news in the next couple of days. Hopefully, I just need to take it easy for a little while. It's really strange because I can walk um, with very little pain, and there's no pain from walking. It's mostly just the knee feels sore. Um, range of motions getting better. I just tried it there. Range of motions getting better. And again, it's not so much pain. It's just like pressure, I guess. So hopefully, um, well, hopefully we'll see. Um, you'll probably see an update on my Instagram if you follow me. And if you don't follow me, there is a link in the description down there below that you can follow. So unfortunately, there won't be too many workout uh, posts Still keeping up on my daily reading and uh, Spanish practice. So that'll be fun. Plus, you know, plenty of uh, 
championship updates. Um, we're in the works. There's a couple of challengers that haven't specifically challenged anything. We also have an idea for a group game, so look forward to that coming up. My dog and cat decided to fight each other now. Now that I'm live and I can't stop them. The sad thing is the cat is winning. Anyhow, on to the politics. So, and I... It's been it's been a week, so I don't know too much of the particulars. I've read a little bit and seen a little bit today um, as far as what's going on. But we'll get into it. So the biggest thing that struck me today is the, uh, the COVID relief bill that is currently in the house. Excuse me one moment. Not in the warrants. Sorry, incredibly unprofessional, I know. So the COVID relief bill. So, and I can't, I just can't help but notice how the tune in the media has changed, which again, this is obvious, but um, Republicans are getting some flack in Congress because they're, and I quote, CNN was quoting, they're trying to delay the bill. And yeah, they probably are, but I think what CNN is missing out on is the fact that and I actually agree partially with what the uh, Republicans are doing here. I mean, they're 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 pointing out nonsensical items in the bill, and I guess they've uh, they and they won. They're doing the uh, I forget what they call it, but basically they're making them read the bill aloud. And the fact that the absurdity of this next statement didn't even resonate on any of the anchors' faces kind of proves the point here. It's going to take 10 hours to read the bill. 10 hours to read one piece of legislation. That is ridiculous. And I understand why the Republicans are doing it. And then that's followed by, I think it's up to, up to 20 hours of, so up to 20 hours of equal debate. So like if the Republicans take 10 hours, the Democrats get 10 hours, vice versa. So if the Republicans take five, then the Democrats will take five hours. And that's the max. And they have up to 20 hours to debate the bill. I'm not against this. I'm, I'm, I'm most certainly not. And in fact, I think they, I don't know what legal channels they would have to go through, but honestly, I'm not opposed to it being required that any bill that goes up for a vote in Congress be subjected to a live read. Because what that will inevitably do is it will make bills shorter. It will make them smaller. Because as, as we're, we're all aware of this, this is nothing new. Basically, just any chance they get, they'll jam-pack things as evidenced by some of the absurd items that are no longer in this bill as it stands today, not least of which being the federal uh, $15 minimum wage. Now, before everybody gets bent out of shape, whether or not a $15 an hour minimum wage is a separate issue from what I'm talking about here, um, there's arguments for and against. There are valid points on both sides, and that, but that's another debate. What I'm talking about here is what does a $15 minimum wage have to do with the immediate COVID relief? 
more than some of the other things that have been taken out. But if the aim of this legislation is to get COVID relief, why would you? It's unrelated. They're just trying to get some of their, they're trying to get some of their goals in there. Uh, some of the more absurd items that are now gone is apparently part of this COVID relief bill was a bridge between New York and Canada. Which I'm, do I need to point out the irony of putting in a transit bridge when the Canadian border is closed? And I know it's starting construction, but I, I digress. Another piece of irony was I was getting my uh, knee looked at a couple of days ago, and I pointed out the fact that it's kind of ironic that the knee center is on the fifth floor. Really? Mama, come here. Come here. Sit. Stop. You can be quiet for an hour. Thank you. I feel like Joe Rogan and Marshall. I wish. Marshall's a much better dog than Mama. Anyway, and then now I'm... Some funding for something in San Francisco was in the bill, too. And it, it's no longer in the bill. It's out now. Anyway, but this gets to the heart of the issue that, honestly, I complain about a lot. And that's just the... It's a testament to, A, how potentially corrupt politicians can be. And it's both sides. Republicans do this, too. I'm not, I'm not throwing, I'm not slinging shit only at the Democrats because the Republicans do it, too. They try to jam-pack stuff into bills. It seems like the Democrats do it a little bit more, but that might just be, that just might be incidental reporting. I'm not really sure. It kind of, and it depends on the administration, I'm sure. Because I'm sure you'll see in some of the other uh, legislation getting put forth by Republicans, there will be things jam-packed in there. And they bargain and try to get certain things in and out of legislation to get it all passed. That's that's nothing new. But just the sheer absurdity of this. And I, Dan Crenshaw put something on Instagram, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, I want to say it was either, if I remember correctly, it was either 6% or 12%. Of all the money in this proposed bill, now granted, I think this was before they took some of these things out. It was six or twelve percent. I can't remember which, but it was still, it was a low number. At most, it was twelve. Six to twelve percent of all the money in this bill is directly related to COVID relief. And then I watched a video of him talking about how that might be where I'm getting my numbers. It was either six to twelve percent for this too of that money is going to be spent in this year. The rest of it is later. Or something to the effect of like only 6 to 12% of the money was going to be spent by 2022. It was something along those lines. Either way, the point, the main point here, and I'm trying not to get too wrapped up in the details simply because, A, I don't remember exactly what they were and I don't want to make a false statement. But that's not really the point. The point, the main point here is that they're just stuffing this bill full of stuff that the Democrats are trying to do, and they're just trying to get it all passed because, you know, it's COVID. And then in some other news, uh, I'm not sure why, but apparently Joe Biden is not going to be presenting the State of the Union on television. And in defense of Joe Biden, this is not a requirement. 
The president gives a State of the Union address to Congress. It's only been in recent years that it's been, well, not recent years. It's just pretty much ever since television, it's been televised. I'm sure there are exceptions, but for the most part, modern presidents have given the live State of the Union address on television. Not really sure why. I haven't had a chance to look into it. I'm not really sure why Biden isn't doing it live. Um, it's probably not a good reason, honestly. But again, now I feel like it. Now I feel like I'm talking about Trump again. Um, <laughs> you know, there. Whether it's a good reason or a bad reason, it's irrelevant because Biden does not have to present the State of the Union live on television so i think this is largely conservative media has been like eating this up it's been largely not talked about briefly from what i've seen on the more um, liberal side because honestly it's really not a big deal however as a side note you know given how bad they 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 keep saying how bad everything is and there's no doubt i mean it's not great but people on the left in the Democratic Party keep talking about how bad things are. And you would think, especially given all the flack they were giving Trump about, quote, not being there, um, and all the flack they were giving Ted Cruz for not being there, you know, you, you would think that it would be a good idea for Biden to do the live State of the Union address. Um, that's just my opinion, though. Not hating too much on him, but side note, I was really proud of myself when I heard about uh, Ted Cruz's little gaffe, um, <laughs> because I thought I thought to myself in my head, I was like, huh, flying Ted. But it's, uh, then I heard somebody in the media say, and I was like, I mean, it's obvious. It's a slow hanging fruit, but it's still funny. Yeah. I was proud of myself for that one, though. That whole thing, though, it's just like, gosh, that what a poor judgment call. Just not a good idea. But then at the same time, I think Ben Shapiro made this point. He was like, was it, you know, was it stupid? Absolutely. But was it bad? I mean, yeah, what he should have done was seen where he could have helped and helped. But then at the same time, it's cold as shit. Family wants to go to Cancun. He's already done his role as a senator for Texas in the federal Congress. You know, he applied for a state of emergency to be a federal state of emergency to be declared it was declared that was pretty much the extent of what he could do in terms of his position as far as the law is concerned now that being said you know probably would have been wise of him to go somewhere and you know hand out blankets or supplies or you know just just be there in some capacity i don't think it's quite uh it's not as bad as they say it is you know, they're, they're essentially, they're essentially like trying to paint him as evil in this case. And it's kind of like, not, I mean, not really, like, it's not great, but it's not particularly, it's not particularly malicious either, because I mean, it's not like, it's not like he caused the freeze in Texas. Now, I don't know to what extent he was involved if he was involved at all in terms of things like texas being on its own grid and things like that these are things i do not know i don't live in texas um i know they were catching a lot of flack i don't really know how much that had to do with it from some of the articles i've read it seemed like if texas had been connected to uh basically part of the national grid more on the national grid it wouldn't have been quite as bad but i i don't know how true that statement is 
And even if that is if, if that is the case, I don't know how much Ted Cruz was a part of that, if he was at all. That decision may have been made many, many, many years ago. Uh, but I digress. In the immediate, it was not Ted Cruz's fault that there was a cold front. Now, I'm sure there's some really loony people on the left that will find a way to blame it on him because he supports the oil industry and climate change and all that, but that statement in and of itself, in and of itself, yeah, in and of itself, in and of itself shows, I'm, not, I'm gonna even give him the benefit of the doubt. It shows, worst case scenario, it shows a complete lack of understanding on how climate works to suggest that Ted Cruz is responsible for changing the climate to such a degree that it would cause a, in his lifetime, that it would cause that large of a catastrophe. But more than anything, it shows that ideology trumps fact. And that is my biggest problem with people on the far left and the far right. And I will slingshit equally in those directions because ideology trumps reason in that drastic of an ideology. And that is a problem on both sides. One that I hope we can fix, but I'm not holding my breath. Because it seems to be getting worse. Seems to be getting worse. So in other news regarding Texas, they're threatening to secede again. And the media is acting like this is a new thing. I, I don't have animals. They're not worth it. I'm kidding. They're awesome. You just get in the way. Wow, this is like our most unprofessional. Wow, everybody must be busy tonight. It is Thursday, right? Usually have some viewers. Yeah, it's Thursday. Anyhow, I'm I'm laughing hysterically because most of the media is they're not freaking out about this, but they're acting like this is a big deal. If I'm not mistaken, Texas kind of has a referendum every so often. And so, actually, you know what? I'm gonna, as I'm rambling, I'm gonna check that because I've heard I, I've heard of at least twice before Texas. Yeah, I mean, Texas technically Texas can't secede from the United States, legally speaking. That's another interesting thing, because other places are like, well, Texas can't secede. It's illegal. It's like, well, if they secede, then... I mean, like, yeah, it's technically illegal, but it was illegal for the southern states to secede in, you know, 1863, and yet they did. Didn't work out well for them, but they did secede. Um... But yeah, so this whole thing is, to me, it's I, I kind of get a chuckle every time that uh, Texas talks about seceding. Because um, Texas and Scotland, everyone's, I might be thinking of Scotland. It's It might be both of them, actually, but at least one of them has, like, a secession referendum every four or eight years, something like that. Um, I know Scotland's is particularly funny, so fun fact about Scotland. And I need to look up the quote because it's worth quoting correctly. So recently and recently. Oops. 
Okay, so this, yeah, this was quite a while ago. This was 1999. Um, yeah, this is great. So in 1999, um, there was some sort of agreement made to which the Scottish Parliament was allowed to resume. And the first words, this is great. <clears throat> and this is a quote. I want to start with the words that I have always wanted either to say or to hear someone else say. The Scottish Parliament, which adjourned on March 25th, 1707, is hereby reconvened. Followed by a breakout of thunderous cheering and applause. Kinda says it all. I remember when I first heard that, I laughed hysterically because I've met some people from Scotland and they've described themselves in a very colorful manner. And that pretty much fits the bill. I imagine it would be the same for Texas. They would probably do something similar, I think. They would talk about how the uh, the, the Congress of the Republic of Texas, which returned on such and such date, uh, reconvened. Something like that, or there would just be a lot of gunfire. Probably both. And I'm not hating on Texas. Never been to Texas. Well, I passed through Texas. But I never stayed. And I was pissed because when I drove through Texas, I was like 10 miles away from the Alamo. But of course, I was the only one that wanted to stop. So I lost. Would have totally been worth it, too. I mean, you're 10 miles away from the Alamo. Why not go? But yeah, so Texas throwing a bit of a hissy fit. Um, and this is all... In as a result of Texas basically saying, like, yeah, we're done with lockdowns. We're completely done with them. And Joe Biden and the media at large have really jumped on the dog pile on this one. Uh, Biden actually referring to it as Neanderthal thinking, which I take offense to. 2%, roughly of people on planet Earth have Neanderthal DNA. DNA, And that is offensive, sir, because it implies that those of us that may or may not have Neanderthal DNA are stupid. And I find that offensive. I find it offensive to all Americans of Neanderthal ancestry. And you should be ashamed of yourself, sir, because I find that a very bigoted statement. Neanderthals, we're finding out new things about Neanderthals every day, contributing a vast amount of things and stuff to the human race and our evolution. We're not 100% sure what yet. I remember reading an article once that's, that's uh, suspected that facial hair may have originated in Neanderthal DNA. I'm not sure how accurate that is because I don't remember when I read it or from what publication, but fun stuff. Yeah, so, it, but again, this that, that whole thing, and while I'm being really tongue-in-cheek about it, it does kind of point out, could you imagine the backlash of Trump saying something along those lines? You know, what if he had been talking about, uh, I'm going to spitball here, talking about New York, you know, if he had compared New York nursing homes to gulags, 
for Calcutta. Like, oh, could you imagine the flack he would have gotten for that? Probably a more factual statement, too. I'm not suggesting that New York is a gulag, but uh, it, it, it's fairly similar to Calcutta. Um, basically, what I'm saying is that Trump would have gotten a lot of flack for that. Stop. Come here. Freaking dog. She sleeps all day, and then when I'm trying to do a podcast, she's all active. Hey. Stop. Not to get sidetracked, but also... I would really like to know how all of you are enjoying the clips that we're uploading. Uh, they seem to be doing pretty good. Little tidbits. I'm gonna let you decide if you want to check out the entire episode, but we're we're picking some of the good, some of the better segments, but or funnier segments. Actually, just today we uploaded the rules and bylaws for the All Events Welcome Championship, so everybody can know the rules. Let's see, what else do we want to talk about? No, just going back to Texas and the secession, or in the telling them that they're done with lockdowns. Um, the entire media seemed to, at least from what I saw, the entire media basically seemed to ignore or forget the fact that Florida has already not been doing lockdowns. And I mean, yeah, there I mean, there are cases, but on the whole, it seems like it's not been it's not turned into World War Z. Which, oh my goodness. Corrupt media, yes. Absolutely. I don't even... It's a mixture of corrupt... It depends, honestly, on what they're talking about. It's a mixture of corrupt and incompetence, by my estimation. Because sometimes they just say incredibly... Sometimes they boldface lie, and sometimes they just make incredibly stupid statements that make absolutely no sense. I.e., um, we uploaded a clip, I think it was a couple weeks ago, where some of you who watched the podcast earlier religiously might remember this when I brought up the fact that I really, it was the DC riots episode um, that we did. And I was talking about how Wolf Blitzer literally said that they're probably too stupid to realize they're going to get in trouble or something to that effect. But the words, they're probably too stupid. Um, that's a mixture of bias and stupidity. Because it's like, yeah, you might believe that, but to say it live on air, and it definitely shows it shows CNN's bias as an organization, the fact that he can say that on live television and not be reprimanded in any way, shape, or form. So if there was any doubt for you, I mean, and I put a link, it was a tweet, but I mean, I'm sure you can YouTube it, but I did put a link on that clip. So if you go to the Average Intelligence Podcast YouTube channel, go through the clips. I have Wolf Blitzer is in the name, so it should be an easy enough clip to find. Um, you can watch it, and the link's in the description, so you can hear it for yourself, because I didn't. I wanted to make sure you could hear it for yourself, and I did not want to misquote him, because there, there's no ambiguity in that statement of his, none whatsoever. And then I was listening to a little bit of the Tim Pool podcast, they were talking about Texas, and I found it particularly funny, because Tim Pool's like, what, what's Joe Biden going to do to Texas? Like, do you really, do you really want to send federal... Not troops, but... Well, yeah, I mean, even if you're... Do you really want to send federal troops into Texas? 
of all places, of all places in the United States, do you really want to send troops into Texas? This will not end well. This will not end well at all. Um, you would even, ha I would, I would imagine you would probably even have Texas law enforcement refuse to enforce any federal mandates. I mean, let's think about the Texas Rangers. They are notorious, <laughs> notorious for being Texas first, Texas only. That would, that would be, that would be an interesting, and I, for I forget the gentleman's name who was on the Tim Pool podcast, but he actually said, and I kind of agree with it. Um, it'll suck in the immediate but I think historically it might actually be a good thing if long term it might be a good thing if the Biden administration tries to throw its weight around when it comes to Texas because te Texas isn't going to cave. Texas isn't going to cave to the federal government on this one at all. Um, but in the scheme of things, that might be it might be a victory for decentralization because Texas will resent. Texas won't even resist. They'll just be like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." What you going to do about it? Because again, let's remember, like we just, like I just mentioned a little while ago, Florida said, "Fuck it," with the lockdowns for the most part, and yeah, they haven't done any worse than New York. And I gotta love how the whole Cuomo nursing home thing is not being talked about. Of course, that might be because they're more concerned with the three—I think it's three—three three sexual harassment allegations. Which man, it's just. Phew. Just keeps coming for Cuomo, and you know what's fun? And do don't take this as a comment on the guy, like a legitimate comment. This is literally just in my head. There was something about the dude I never liked. I kind of I don't I don't know. I just got a feeling that he was full of shit, and I I can't tell you why specifically. It's just sometimes I see people and I'm like that dude is full of shit, and this will surprise a lot of people. People like AOC and Bernie Sanders, I did not get that vibe from them. I, I, I think they're wrong on a lot of things, but I think, I've said this before, I think both of them, not so much Bernie anymore, but when he, 2016 Bernie had a lot of feeling as though, like, I disagree with him, but I feel like his heart's in the right place. And, well, AOC to an extent now, too. When she first won her election, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, I was actually very excited for her when she won her election. I thought that was great. Uh, fantastic uh, that she won that election. But now I, I, she's as much part of the system as anybody. And I might be wrong here, but I really think she, she likes the, uh, the the stardom that she has achieved. I think it might have gone a little bit to her head, but I'm, gonna, I'm honestly not surprised. I don't know that I would be any better, you know, because she had microphones thrust in her face and everybody wanted to hear what she had to say. So I'm not really surprised that she's kind of gotten uh, fallen in love with the limelight. Like I said, I don't know that I would do any better, but there are politicians who came into office around the same time and were arguably just as prolific, um, but they're not quite as, and this might just be because lack of media interest too. I don't know. But yeah, anymore, when they first won their respective election or, Bernie didn't win an election, but he ran. When they first really came on the national scene the way they did, I got the sense that their hearts were in the right place. We just disagreed on how to get there. They wanted government to be the driving force, and people who think like me disagreed. There were other ways to achieve the same goals. Then Bernie sold out, <laughs> literally. I So I wonder how much money they gave him, because I, I legit think they bought him. 
legitimately, I think they bought him. Just the timing of it was just so suspicious. Because you drop out of a presidential race where you were arguably, if not in the lead, you were still very much a contender. And then you buy a third house. That's legitimate fuck you money. It's like you don't even have to hide it. You don't even have to launder it. It's like, well, I lost. Let's go buy another house. Let's go buy a third vacation home. I think it was a second vacation home, but it was a third house in Vermont. Yeah, and we've forgotten about that, too. But I think Bernie lost a lot of integrity uh, with his followers. And if there are any Bernie supporters watching this, please comment. I would love to know your opinion. It just seemed like when he ran again, he didn't have nearly as much steam. And I honestly believe, I think at first Bernie supporters were pissed that he got snubbed by the DNC. And there's no denying that. The emails released show this clear as day. There's no argument. The DNC literally snubbed Bernie. And I touched on this too. It was uh, shutting off microphones for some of the delegates that still wanted to, you know, give their votes to Bernie and their microphones were cut. Legitimately. I'm sure you can YouTube it. You can watch it. I watched it live. I was flat. I was alarmed. Um, frankly, a little pissed. Because literally, like, I watched these people's mics get cut and, and then they were escorted out of the DNC because they were voicing their displeasure that they were not going to be able to do what they wanted to with their votes. So, the democracy of the Democratic Party at work. Where was I going with this? I completely lost my train of thought. I think we were still talking about Texas. But yeah, I would, I, I'm going to be curious to see. Um, this is kind of similar to what Obama did with Syria, too, to be honest, which I criticized the hell out of him at the time. And Biden's doing it again. Or it seems like he's doing it again. It's too early to tell. What I'm referring to is, you know, and I don't remember the exact wording. It's been a little while. Obama essentially drew a line in the sand when it came to Syria, and then they crossed that line. And he let him get away with it because, and arguably this is partially because the American people were just like, no, we're not, we don't want to get involved in Syria. We don't, we don't want to. But the problem, and I've probably said this before, I think I've said this before, the problem when, when you draw a line in the sand, you have to be, if you're going to draw that line, you have to be prepared, willing, and able to back up that statement if they cross said line. Drawing the line in the sand should be viewed as a favor to the other party. Being like, okay, you're doing some shit and you need to cut it out. We're going to be the bigger people and we're going to give you an opportunity to stop. Like, here is your line. Do not cross this line because if you cross this line, we will unleash hell. Or you, there will be consequences. Now, those can be economic consequences. They can be military consequences. They can be all sorts of consequences. But you have to be ready and able to impose those consequences. And Obama did not impose those consequences. 
And so here we have Biden again. Now, again, this is largely forgotten. And there's no denying this. Like, all of my more liberal left-leaning friends, and especially those that are, like, legit on the radical left, really do yourselves a favor and go back and research this. And please, if I'm wrong, call me out. But I remember this vividly. Um, you know, go back, go back and compare media coverage from the Obama administration and compare it to the Trump administration. Now, we probably disagree on the degree to which there is a media bias. I, I mean, but come on, you're delusional if you think they were as hard on Obama as they were on Donald Trump. Now, again, Trump deserves a lot of the scrutiny, but I still maintain he had that scrutiny from day one before he even really had a chance to screw up as president. Now, I know he was mouthy during the campaign and some things happened, but I mean, just literally on day one, I, I said even before he was sworn in, I said, he's screwed. He's screwed because the media is going to just tear him a new one every chance they get as opposed to you know obama now again i'm not talking about fox news because fox because nobody nobody let's be real nobody really takes fox news seriously other than people that are already on the far right and they i shouldn't even say far right people that are on much more right leaning who consume fox news no matter who the president is CNN's a whole nother platform. CNN is where a lot of people, no matter what their political leanings, maybe not so much people on the right, but people who aren't people who aren't political per se, get a lot of their news from CNN. So it is incumbent upon them to be impartial. Well, that's a debate. Um, it is expected of them to be impartial in this day and age. Now there is a debate as to whether or not journalism can, in fact, be impartial. Um, actually, Wisecrack on YouTube did a very fascinating video on objective journalism. I recommend you watch it. It's actually pretty fascinating. This whole notion of objective news is not as old as we think it is. It's actually a relatively new phenomenon. Um, very interesting. So again, that's Wisecrack. I, I'm pretty sure you can just search for objective news, Wisecrack, and you'll find it. Um, actually, you know what? When I'm done here, I'll put a link for it in the description so that you can view it directly. Wisecrack's an interesting channel. They're they're pretty good, but this one in particular was pretty enlightening. Where was I going? Lost my train of thought again. Oh, so Biden has drawn a line in the sand with Texas, figuratively speaking. Like he hasn't actually said he's going to do anything, but he's basically implied it, or Texas has inferred it. Either way, um, there are expected consequences. But again, I just. And I've said this pretty early on. Pretty sure I've said it on the podcast. I don't know. We've got a lot of hours now. So I don't remember everything I've said. Although going through the clips has been interesting because sometimes I've been like, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> or said it that way, rather. Well, that was kind of stupid. But that's why we have a segment called This Is What We Fucked Up. But I, I, I've kind of alluded, I've at least alluded, if not outright stated, the fact that I don't see Biden as a particularly uh, strong president. I don't think he's going to be a particularly strong rope president. I think he's going to be largely a, not a placeholder, but largely transitional. We'll see. I might be totally wrong here, but he just seems like, he, he seems like he's kind of going to be a Jimmy Carter, in my opinion. And 
frankly, that might be a good thing because a lot of stuff happened during the Trump presidency. Some of it was his fault. Some of it wasn't his fault, but he was blamed for all of it. But yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't suspect, I don't expect Biden to do much of anything, which actually might bite him. Well, no, it's not going to bite him. I was going to say it might bite him because some other states might be like, hmm, we don't like these lockdowns either, but they, there haven't been any federally uh, forced lockdowns yet. There have been suggestions, but nothing has actually been, you know, mandated in a legal sense. Which is something that I think Trump didn't get enough credit for. Um, Trump essentially from day one. Now again, motivations are questionable. I don't know. I don't know if he was actually trying to be a constitutionalist or if he just wanted to defer blame. But either way, I liked the fact that for the most part, it was pretty much left up to the states to decide what they wanted to do in terms of lockdown. Because again, New York is different from Montana. And what works in New York is probably not necessary in Montana. Probably not. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Montana and really Montana, places like Montana and Texas, you know, are totally different places compared to places like New York and California. Um, and I think, you know, and which is why I largely didn't have any issue with what some of the more blue states did in terms of lockdowns, because it's like, okay, you know, I get why New York City might want to be a little bit more tighter of a lockdown. It's a lot more population dense. People are in much closer quarters. It's a totally different area, one that I'm not familiar with. So I, I wouldn't presume to pass judgment on how New Yorkers dealt with a pandemic versus how people, you know, in Wyoming or wherever, you know. I, I, but I was firmly in the let states handle their shit camp, which I usually am to a certain extent. Now, when states do crazy shit, that's when the federal government can get involved. But that's pretty much always, I'm always really against the federal government getting involved unless constitutional rights are being affected, in which case the federal government can get involved because that's their job is to protect people's constitutional rights. And if a state law, if a state law violates, that's the word I was looking for. I almost said validates. I was like, wait, no. If a state law violates people's constitutional rights, then the federal government, that's their job to get involved and to protect those constitutional rights. And I, I cannot remember her name, uh, but I guess there's there's one. She's somebody in the squad. I can't remember her name, though. She wants to lower the voting age to 16. Which, here's the thing, and I want to I be very clear about this. It's not that I think 16-year-olds particularly are stupid. Because I know some, I, I'm sure they're 18-year-olds that aren't that much smarter. Um, but here's my issue with that. And again, it's, it's pretty much the same issue I had with the mass mailed-out voting that arguably won Biden the presidency, or at least had a very large hand in it. My issue was the intent. Because they played the intent as, oh, well, covid but we, I, I've been over it. I don't need to regurgitate it. I called it very early on, and there's a clip. I called it very early on that I said, if they go ahead with the mass mail-out votings where, like, unsolicited mail voting, unsolicited mail ballots, I said that Biden was probably going to win. It's, it's just a fact. Most younger people 
lean liberal. It's a statistical fact. Not all young people lean liberal, but a vast majority do. And it's also a statistical fact that as people get older, statistically, they are more likely to get more conservative in terms of how they vote. And I shouldn't even say liberal conservative. I should really say Democrat Republican. Because younger people tend to be more liberal Democrat. Older people tend to be more conservative Republican. Statistically, that's a very broad statement. I know that there are plenty of older uh, liberal Democrats and there are plenty of younger you know, conservative Republicans. But my point is, most 16-year-olds are going to vote Democrat just from a statistical standpoint. And they know that. They know that. So, of course, the Democrats would want to lower the voting age to 16, just like if they were reversed. Like, let's say we lived in some bizarre world where young people just loved conservative values. Uh, the Republicans would be fighting for it, too. And make no illusions. Like, the Republicans are... Both sides try to... Because the Republicans are doing major campaigns to try to get more of the Latino vote, which they kind of did. If you look at the metrics of the last election, those numbers surprised pretty much everybody. They did not expect the Republicans to do as well as they did with the uh, Hispanic community. So that was interesting. But again, I mentioned that on the podcast too. And again, this is not this is a very broad, general umbrella statement that does not apply to all individuals, but. People from, how do I say this in a way that's in no way, shape, or form offensive, but it has been my experience, at least with the people that I know, that people who come from Hispanic families and that type of family unit, especially the older generations, tend to have very conservative values. So it's not really much of a surprise that it's not a surprise to me that particularly older uh, people in the Hispanic Latino community uh, vote conservative. And then that leads into another thing where, you know, you can't really go by what people are saying, because particularly with Trump, you know, there were a lot of closet Trump voters who were not open about who they voted for. Um, some, I'm sure some downright lied. I'm sure there were people out there who lied and said they voted for Biden, but they actually voted for Trump. I guarantee you. And why do I say this? Because the poll numbers and the actual numbers don't line up at all. And there's only one way to explain, well, two ways to explain that. One, they only interviewed people on the left, which I'm sure in some of the polls they did. Um, but the other... You know, it's kind of like the difference between taking a blind survey and an open survey. The results are going to be different, even if you ask the same question to the same group of people. The results will differ, especially the more controversial the question is. Not like if you do one that's, what's your favorite color? But here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Even if it's something as benign as, you know, do you prefer dogs to cats? There's still going to be people that lie for some reason because they think, well, you know, I can't say I'm a cat person because, you know, dogs are more popular and I just want to fit in. There's going to be outliers like that in every kind of survey. So blind surveys or actual results of an election are the best way to indicate support for a candidate, idea, law, what have you. Kind of like marijuana legalization. 
Like, I swear, if you put it on the ballot, it's going to get legalized. I guarantee it. I don't care where you are. Nine, 99 times out of 100. What is it? 49 out of 50 times. That's a state's. That's a state's joke. I mean, all states should vote on it, in my humble opinion. 49 times out of 50, because we all know Alabama probably won't pass it. I made that joke before. Because in Alabama, you have to be 19 to buy cigarettes, and the federal age is 18. And there are dry there are dry counties in other states, but there's a sh there's an alarming number of dry counties in Alabama, and they really regulate their liquor. Don't ask me how I know that, but I do. Um, yeah, so I think of all places, I think Alabama would be the one place that marijuana legalization would not be uh, not be happening. Maybe medical, maybe medical. I still don't see it happening though. Not for a long time. I think they would be dead last. Maybe eventually. There's enough young people down there that smoke weed. I, I bet eventually it would get legalized, but I, I'd almost guarantee you that they would be close to last, if not dead last. Just think about wrapping it up here. Um... Uh, maybe we'll just cut it short because I think I've run out of things to talk about. It's been a busy week. I haven't had a chance to keep in touch with as much. So just for those of you that missed it at the beginning, let's go over the announcements again. Uh, second podcast of mine that I co-host on the RT Media channel. Down the middle, if you're interested at all in professional wrestling, that's what we talk about. Um, we're doing it a little bit different than a lot of those podcasts you might see. It's not a recap show because we assume that you've watched wrestling. We just talk about wrestling. Uh, the first episode we were, the main topic was retired wrestlers that are still wrestling today. Um, and we touched on some good stuff, debated about AJ Styles a little bit. Um, my co-host Ben is quite the historian. He sent me straight on a couple of things. Um, and then... Don't forget, tune in next week. Not kidding. Tune in next week for the special guest host. Um, Eric and I are on vacation, so to speak. We are sitting out next week. But we've got, got a hell of a show for you. It's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good one. Anyway, I think I'll cut this a little bit short just to make this one a little easy listening one. But anyway. Hope everybody enjoys rewatching this because not too many people tuned in live tonight. Yep, corrupt media. Mm -hmm. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. Stay averagely intelligent.